0: My name is Chris Pate. If you're new with us, I'm the lead pastor here. And if you're watching with us online, we're thankful to have you online as well. Today, we get the amazing privilege to have a guest speaker that is bringing a word. I mean, this is a fire word. So get ready. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest speaker. He is... A good friend of mine of over a decade now, he's been in full-time ministry for 22 years, married for 17 years. He's written many, many songs, traveled with many and been worshiping with many, many of your favorite worship artists. Him and his wife both are incredible lyricists and well-known incredible creative people they have five beautiful children he's going to talk a little bit about that but let me tell you what I love about John Owens and his wife Kelly the most is not how incredibly talented he is how much influence he has in our world and especially in the church but I love his humility I love that his family loves Jesus. I love that his wife loves John. (laughs) The humility that undergirds everything he does is just so awesome and super privileged to have him here all the way from City of Lights Church in Indianapolis. He planted that church about six years ago. And we are so thankful to be a part of a spiritual family called Every Nation, where that church is like our same DNA. We love having you here. We love having you preach and bring the word to us. Will you guys give a warm City Life Houston welcome to Pastor John Owens.
1: Come on. Come on. How are we doing this morning? Can we just give a shout out to our worship team this morning? Sheesh. They were strong. I need, uh, I need Sarah to get into that golden streets when she comes up to back me up. That was just an extra anointing this morning. Um, but it is a joy to be with you all this morning and hailing from Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, shout out. Shout out. Uh, from your Indianapolis cousins. Uh, It is a joy to be a part of a great spiritual family. Uh, We know that we are all a part of the universal body of Christ, uh, the body of Christ eternal in that sense. But there's also a joy of being a part of a tribe and, and to be a part of this tribe of every nation's family of churches has been such a great blessing to me throughout the years. And one of the things, this has been a special treat to come here to Houston because I've got lots of friends uh, that God has allowed me to intersect with throughout my journey. Uh, I was thinking about Sean up here leading worship. I remember seeing Sean running around Bethel in like scout gear back in the day um, and seeing him leading us into the presence of God and so many others um, that are here. And so it's a joy to be with you. You all are so blessed to have the pastors that you have. Uh, I just have to honor uh, Pastor Chris and First lady pate um, this morning we we were so blessed um, to come in contact and, and, and to be able to cross paths in ministry and in relationship over the last few years, especially as you know we started venturing out into church planting a few years back I was you know finding out you know who 's out here and who's doing what and met uh, pastor Chris and, and then started to watch their journey uh, in Houston. And as we started planting, I'd call him up and be like, hey man, how do you do this? Or, do you have a spreadsheet for this? Can you send me that PDF? Uh, do you mind if I change the graphics, put our logo? You know, what's your budget? You know how, how much are they charging? All, just trying to figure out all the little tips and tricks. And, and, and so appreciated his willingness always to just give it away. Give it away and be a blessing to us and and of course, getting connected uh, with, with Casey at uh, one of our Every Nation camp, Campus Harvest conferences, the ENC conferences, and getting to see her heart and the power and the might and the joy and the wisdom that she operates in. And, and we've been really personally encouraged as their friends uh, throughout particularly the last few years that have been particularly challenging. So we're so grateful for your pastor, so grateful for you all, and, and I'm honored to be able to serve you all this morning i want to introduce you all to my family i'm missing them this morning my babies let me go ahead and show you this beautiful crew you can give a hand give a hand to that squad we roll deep you know it's kind of like the the apostolic five so uh i've got my oldest son 15 he's isaiah isaiah is all into musical theater and and he's just killing it right now Aaron is my engineer, my brainiac, my inventor. He's the one over here, he's 12, we'll be going on 13. He reminds me that he's almost 13 every single day, even though his birthday's not until November. Uh, Then I've got Judah, and Judah right now, he is actually right this moment starting his baseball game. He's playing in a tournament this weekend. Yesterday he pitched his first game and got a win, so we're super proud of him. And then this, he's eight, and then actually he's 10, my eight-year-old right here, the curly-headed blonde kid, we used to say that we adopted him from Latvia, uh, but he's John Blon Jovi, and he's mine, and, and he came from me, and it's so funny because he, when we lived in Florida, his hair was just like white blonde, you know, and, and I would walk around the lobby of the church that I was on staff on with my baby, and people would be like, oh, whose baby is that? It's mine. I just bought him. Um, And in that beautiful little girl right there, that is my heart. That's Ella Rose. We also call her Ninja Sissy Mama or Spicy Mama on certain days. And she was an extra special blessing for us as we actually, she is our second daughter. Now we have five children right now, but this was our first daughter, Aria Joy. Aria Joy was born uh, in April 2nd of 2011, and before she turned six months old, she passed away in her sleep. Uh, Passed away due to SIDS, no pre-existing conditions. It was an absolutely heart-wrenching and earth-shaking moment for my wife and I, but I just have to testify that I have never in my life experienced the nearness and the presence of God and celebrated the family of God who loved us in that moment the way that did we experienced in that time and so it was it I cannot wait till the day when I get to be reunited with that baby girl um, but I also want to testify this one of the cool things in the artistry and this, the narrative of the Lord in our lives though God doesn't owe us anything um, but as I said she was born on April 2nd 2011 and on April 2nd 2016 we had our second daughter Eleanor Rose so they both share the same birthday Been a really special gift, and uh, I miss my baby. So I'm going to see all of them tomorrow. They're going to take me out on a special birthday breakfast because my birthday was on Friday. Now I just got to tell you another just to boast in your pastors. They took care of me. They they fed me well on my birthday. But this what I want to ask of you today is to you know feel free to vocalize and encourage me. You know give me a good birthday. Uh, encouragement today as we bring the word today. Uh, I, we like to communicate where I'm from. You can say "Amen," "Oh my," you can wave a hand or a hanky. It's all the same to me. Uh, just don't cuss me out. Um, but um, but but I'm excited uh, of what I believe the Lord wants to share with us this morning. You know, this morning we're going to look at the book of Daniel, chapter three today, and I believe. That There is a word that God wants to give us, not just this church, but the church of the times that we're in and not just the times that we're in, but a posture and a position that we ought to be cultivating in our hearts in order for us to navigate through the waters that we find ourselves in as a as a people of God, as a people who are set apart. As a people whose hearts are to be ablaze uh, before I go into this I want to give you all a little bit of context of what's happening here uh, as we get into the book of Daniel first of all when you look at the beginning of the book we have someone that we get introduced to by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar uh, some of you if you've ever grown up on veggie tales I need to let you know that he is not a cucumber <laughs> he is not a large pickle and this was not a great big chocolate bunny uh, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon he conquers king Jehoiakim of Judah and takes God's people and possessions into Babylonian captivity about 605 BC but we see and uh, we see this play out in chapter 1 of Daniel and we get introduced to Daniel himself and Daniel has a couple friends Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and these were seen to be men of great uh, appearance, of discipline, of excellence. Uh, oftentimes it was very customary that when one uh, uh, king or kingdom would take over another, that they would handpick the best and the brightest and they did so for a couple of different reasons one because they didn't want them rising up and trying to overthrow them but they also wanted to use them for their own benefit and so they would train them and they would teach them and essentially they would try to brainwash them and condition them to have the appetite the understanding the mentality the mindset to be able to execute the way the will and the work of their new authority and so they were handpicked and we see this in chapter one verse five and this period lasted about a three-year period so according to that time frame many scholars and theologians They would see that chapter two, which of course takes place after chapter one, where Daniel gives an interpretation to the king would take place about three or five years after chapter one. Now, I'll just give you a quick snapshot of this prophecy of this dream. So King Nebuchadnezzar is given a dream that was actually a warning and God's mercy of a many tiered statue where the head was made of gold and each layer was made of a different material of metal and they represented different uh, different authorities and and different time periods of rule with the head representing King Nebuchadnezzar that was made out of gold and in this dream that God gives him as he sees all these kingdoms and all these empires and a rock that represented Yahweh would come and knock all of them down god was trying to help him to have some perspective you are not the king that has no end there is one greater now as often happens as we do whenever we get a word from the lord that we don't like sometimes we bow up and we double down and so that's just what he did and so we kind of jump cut to about 15 years later at about 586 bc when Jerusalem and the temple is destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. And it's right after this destruction of the temple where many believe that chapter 3 takes place. And here we have King Nebuchadnezzar. He's drunk with power, high on his own supply. And he wants everyone to recognize his greatness He wants all the rulers to be able to see, and he's trying to prove and affirm something. And he wants to do that by capturing people's worship, because their worship affirmed his kingship. And it's there that we want to begin to read Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 1. If you have your Bible, I'd love to encourage you to look at it in your own Bible, uh, you'll have it up on the screen, but I always like to encourage people, look at your own Bible. One, because you want to take ownership of your relationship with God. You don't need a pastor to help you. You don't need a pastor to always hear the word of the Lord. He's made himself available to you. The second thing is, you know that I'm not just lying and making things up. It says in verse 1, chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet high, 9 feet wide, and he set it up. Everybody say, set it up. On the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to assemble the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to attend the dedication of the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces assembled for the dedication of the statue the king had set up. Then they stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and a herald loudly proclaimed People of every nation and language, you are commanded when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the cither, the lyre, the harp, the drum, and every kind of music, you are to fall face down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship, will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire therefore when all the people heard the sound of the kind, of every kind of music the horn the flute the zither the lyre the harp and every kind of music people of every nation and language fell down and worshiped the gold statue that king nebuchadnezzar had set up i'm going to title this message this morning it's getting hot in here would you please bow your heads Great king, great ruler of all things, king whose kingdom knows no end, Lord, I'm asking that as a preacher word this morning, that you would help our hearts and our eyes to be set ablaze for you, that you would set us towards you, that we would be consumed that we would be infatuated with your goodness, with your graciousness. Lord, that we would be cautioned at our own temptation and our own human pattern of drawing towards lesser gods. And Lord, that you would awaken us, Lord, in this moment as a people of God, as a people of God what you're calling us to in Jesus name. Amen. So I don't just pastor a church in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm actually from Indianapolis, Indiana. I grew up there. Love being in the Midwest. One of the things that I appreciate, shout out Midwest. I heard, I heard a little whoop. Um, shout out Midwest. One of the things I love about being in the Midwest, is you get four seasons and yeah, come on, shout out for four seasons. And, and, and the thing that I appreciate about it is because when you're growing up and you're in school and you're learning about the different you know, seasons, they actually show you there's like four of them. And you know you get like three, three months of fall. I love the fall. I love the changing of the leaves. We've got these big old maples. They used to have this beautiful big red maple in front of our house. I called her Ruby, and I get excited whenever she changed. I love the fall. I love football, and I love wearing hoodies. Hoodie season is like my favorite season. I got like 12 hoodies in my closet. Right now, I'm just like grieving and lamenting when I look at my hoodies in my closet. I'm like, I'll come back to you, I promise. Um, but, but I love the fall, I love the fall. And I actually appreciate winter in its right proportional stages. Like, I, I like having a white christmas i like you know making snowmen and 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 i personally actually liked it because it was lucrative for me as a kid like my economic situation was based on the changing of the seasons when the leaves fell we raked the leaves and made some money when the snow fell i had to go and shovel snow, and we all knew which houses paid the most so as soon as that snowfall came out, everybody was out there with their shovels. You're like racing. I'm going to get it. You know, got to make that money. Got to get on that grind. So, But I love it. I appreciate it. We don't get it as bad as some of the further northern states do. So it's just kind of just right. Just right winter. Now, sometimes winter likes to linger a little bit, to like close to Easter, and rob us of, of our spring. But I love spring. Spring's green. Spring's lush. You know, it's a great season. And even summertime in India, it does get hot. It does get hot a little bit, uh, but it's not like hot just forever hot. You know, we play. We could play outside and play basketball all, all summer long. Now, when I started getting into full time ministry, I was given a job opportunity to go to our Every Nation Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Now, in Tallahassee, I realized that there was some uh, strategy going on because they invited me to come in November. So man, I go to Tallahassee, Florida in November. And for a kid who grew up in the Midwest, in Indiana, we would have, it ought to been snowing. We're wearing hoodies, we probably got our first snow. And I step foot in Tallahassee and people are wearing tank tops and shorts. We outside barbecuing and playing football, and it's like nobody's like barely even sweating or chilling. It's just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I call my brothers, I'm like, yo. I love Florida. Florida's amazing. We can barbecue all the time. And it's just great. Then I moved there the end of May. I was getting ready for my first Sunday service, leading worship, put my good outfit on. I was feeling fresh. And I just left something in the car. I had to run out and get it real quick. And so I just walked from here to my car and back and was drenched with sweat. It was a different kind of heat. I actually had a flashback of that on Thursday when I flew in here. I was telling you like I lived in Florida for about 12 years. I felt like I got acclimated. In fact, I remember it was like a year after I went to Florida, I went to Manila, Philippines for the first time. And I was like, Lord, you've prepared me for this. It was hot and musty. It was like getting a big old hug by your thick uncle who sweats too much, you know? Jesus cleanse them Lord but when I got here I didn't even get out of the plane y'all I'm sitting in the back of a southwest flight we had just landed and they opened the door and it was like the heat just said hello John it wouldn't even wait for me to get off the plane it just came to greet me with a vengeance like it's not just hot it's mean hot sometimes It's a different kind of hot. There's a different atmosphere that I set my foot in. And I say that because there's a different level of hot that we're experiencing in the culture right now. There's an intensity of heat that the people of God are experiencing, particularly in the U.S., that we haven't always experienced before. See, there's been different time periods throughout American history where at times being a believer, and I'm not just talking about being a cultural Christian, but actually following Jesus and doing what he says, like actually reading his word and applying it to your life and your life looking like his word. At times, historically, where it was seen as more of a favorable thing, a positive thing, it would it would actually maybe get you some platforms and some celebration, whereas we are finding ourselves that the only Christianity, the only brand of Christianity that tends to be publicly supported and celebrated is one that has passed a cultural litmus test, that has been very much uh, neutered and just has the aroma of the gospel but none of the power. It's like the cheap cologne at the dollar store that you buy for your dad on Father's Day, it's got an aroma. Of the gospel but it can't hold water and when i think about the time that we are in right now i'm reminded of this scenario i'm reminded of what these the people of god were experiencing as much of the book of daniel and in and many other books in the old testament you will see during this exilic time is the people of god trying to ask the question how do we worship and honor God in a foreign land? How do we worship and honor the king of kings in the midst of rulers that are stead set on oppressing and reminding everyone who's the boss? And so it's important that we understand that these rulers, it's not just, it's, it's not just trying to prove a point. It's actually trying to capture our worship. The enemy is after your worship. Now, when I say worship in this context, if we're talking this morning, I'm not just talking about your song. That's part of it. But I'm talking about our worship as a whole. What does that mean? We're talking about our mind, our heart, our identity, our time, our talent, our treasure. The enemy is after your worship and has been. We can talk about culture wars and act like a culture war is something that just appeared. There's been a battle that's been taking place from the garden. From the garden, through the desert, through the New Testament, to your apartment. The enemy is after your worship. The enemy is after your affection. And so we have to learn to not become consumed by the things of Babylon. Because the enemy will use those things to keep us hooked, to keep us drugged, to keep us numb to the reality and keep us from fully, fully pouring our affections on God. Whatever consumes you will consume you. And so we want our lives to be consumed with worship for our king because our worship affirms our king now king nebuchadnezzar as we talked before he makes this gold statue drunk with pride the vision was of a golden head and he's like you know what give me a whole statue of gold i'm going to be the ruler of all rulers and he sets up this big encounter and i love this this constant you know whenever you see repetition in scripture it's giving emphasis it's reminding you this is a big deal this is this is a big thing and, and i love It's hilarious to me how he wants to make sure, like you talk about name dropping. He wants to make sure you know everybody that's coming, everybody that's showing up. And he doesn't want a single person to miss this moment. He's here to prove a point. He's getting all the leaders, all the rulers. This was was truly a show of strength, a show of might. And he assembles them, and then what does it say takes place? A herald loudly proclaims, people of every nation and language, you are commanded when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the drum, and every kind of music, you are to fall face down and worship. How many of you know we have heralds functioning all the time? And this isn't, you know, just a talking point media is a herald books movies television education the education system anything that's a mouthpiece that's declaring and telling something is communicating and sharing information that it wants you to know and i I love movies i love movies i love love tv shows i'm a a big marvel fan i like all that you know dc needs help but i'm a big marvel fan And, and I love the movies, but as, even as I watch the movies, and I watch them with my sons, they're into Star Wars and Marvel as well, I always teach them there's a story, and then there's the story. There's always the main narrative, and then there's always the other narratives that are being sprinkled in. Some of them are more overt. Some of them, they're playing the long game, normalizing certain narratives over time for us to slowly learn and be programmed. And, and it's amazing how you will remember quotes from movies that happen. Like I, I introduced my kids, my boys, when Kelly was out of town because I could only do it when Kelly's out of town and then I repented for it later. But I introduced them to Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> but there's quotes from that movie that I saw years and years ago. And even the other day, my, my son, we were talking about somebody and we were, we were actually at... A seminar working on how to put together, you know, get your transcripts ready and get ready to take your tests, SATs and everything. Somebody was talking about going to college and my son, I see him write the note, your mom goes to college. I'm like, son, how you going to remember that quote? And, and you don't remember something I preached three weeks ago, fam. Like, I need you to up your game. Maybe I need to be more memorable like Napoleon Dynamite. But all I have to say is we hear the voice of the heralds all the time calling us, demanding our affection, demanding our attention. You know, we we can't find the time to come to a foundations class, but we can binge Stranger Things in a day. We can't find the time to sign up for a city life group. But every week we're talking about the, the five new movies or television shows that we're going to or that we're watching we can't find time to come fellowship with people that love Jesus and are encouraging us to do the same. But we're going to post on Instagram all the self care, baby, self care 2020. Like you only need so many bath bombs, sweetie. Like, you know. And, 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 and bath bomb's are great. God bless the bath bomb. But my point is, we have to wake up and recognize. That most of the heralds in the culture that we live in are not drawing us to worship God. They're drawing our affection, our attention to other things. They're looking to get us hooked. And it tells them when you hear the sound, when the beat drops, when the music begins, submit, surrender, worship. And not just worship, but worship with the threat of death. Not just worship, it's worship or die worship or be consumed with fire so when we're looking here in the scripture it says that they began to bow but there were some brothers here that they were not surrendering enter the haters so there's this group of guys that we see called the chaldeans chaldeans they were from the south side of babylon we'll call it southeast these brothers from Southie, they were astrologers, and they were used to having certain levels of prominence and authority within the Babylonian empire, and so they did not quite like that these men, uh, these Hebrew men, had garnished favor and garnered favor and were given authority uh, even over them at times, and so they were looking to kind of snuff them out. So they go to the king, and they're just playing upon his part, and they're like, hey, uh, Nezer, man, you, you're amazing, statue, bomb, band, they're killing it. Uh, did you notice these three guys, they didn't bow. I I think you need to address this. And so they start highlighting this for him. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, again, we know he's drunk with pride. He's he's full of himself. He is angered with this intense anger, and he demands to to make a an example out of them, that they be thrown into the fiery furnace and not just throw them in the fiery furnace. You just think that they would only, one level of fiery furnace would probably be enough, right? But he asked that it to be turned up seven times hotter. He's, he's proving a point. Remember, this whole scenario he set up so that people would come and recognize his authority, worship him, and tremble in his presence. And so he sees dissenters, and he looks to throw them in the fiery furnace. Now, one of the things I think about when I see this is I think to myself, why were they the only ones that were standing? Do You realize they took an entire people into captivity. An entire people who had grown up with the customs and the commitment and had gone to the temple to worship God. We're not talking about this was 40, 50, 60, 100 years since they had left. They had been within a generation, within a lifetime. But over time, they had become just conditioned. I wonder how many people, as they were being bound by ropes and brought over to the furnace, how many of their own people were saying, why didn't y'all just stop? Get down. Stop drawing attention. Why are you so extra? They weren't just feeling the heat and the pressure from the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar, but they were feeling the heat and the pressure from their own people. Just just compromise a little bit. We're not in Judah anymore. We got to make changes. One of the things that grieves me so much It's just not anything new for the world to tell us to compromise. It's quite a different thing to see people who call themselves sons and daughters of God encouraging people to do things and affirming people and doing things that Jesus died for. It's getting hot in here. (laughs) It's a sad thing. We are in a time where there are people who profess follow Jesus, but they stopped following Jesus the moment it became inconvenient and hurt their speaking circuit, hurt their book sales, or rather they realized that they could gain book sales if they could find a way to somehow have the aroma of spirituality, but be world approved. I'm so grateful that these men did not deter. They were thrown into the fire. The fire was so hot, it said that the men that were taken to throw them in the fire, that they died. Like, you're just on the job. Man, I'm just trying to do my... Man, that's how hot it was. It was so intense. Now, you would think of this moment, King Nebuchadnezzar, he'd be gloating. He'd be feeling himself. He's puffed up. I told y'all to bow. You didn't bow. See what happens. See what happens. But what happens is this. It's King Nebuchadnezzar. He looks over in verse 24. The King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty. They replied to the king. But he exclaimed, look, I see four men and they're not tied, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of God. (laughs) Y'all, Nebuchadnezzar, he looks in the fire that was seven times hot. He looks in this fire that he was sure would kill them. I think we need to understand that sometimes it's like when I visited Florida for the first time. If you're not used to the heat, just a little bit will make you feel uncomfortable. Much of what we face on a regular basis isn't even like the furnace. It's just a little bit hot and we shrink back. This wasn't a little bit hot. This was you are going to die. I'm killing you. I am ending your life. That's what they stepped into. I pray that God would give his people, and I'm going to get specific. I pray that God would give me the kind of, the kind of guts and in, in, in intentionality and commitment that I would be willing not just to say, Lord, I, 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 you know, if it costs me my church, I'll follow you. But I would give my life to follow you. But here it is, he's looking. And even though he placed them in there, the only thing that was consumed was the ropes that bound them. So here it was, I love this, I love this because it reminds me that even though they were taken captive, they were never bound. Even though they were taken captive, they never stopped being free. And here it was that not, they could not be consumed because they were already consumed. That they were consumed with passion for Yahweh. That they were consumed with commitment to God. That they were consumed by the one who revealed himself as a fire by night and showed up as the, with the fire with them right then. Because what consumes you, consumes you. And there was nothing left. But we see... That's not the end of the story. You see, Nebuchadnezzar, he sees this and he's blown away. And and when they come out, he is in awe and begins to praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not only does he praise, but he actually says if any, he, he like completely flipped the script. He's like, if anybody talks bad about their God. You're going to be thrown in the furnace. Like, wait, wait, man, we're so confused. And he makes this statement, no one could deliver like their God. And the very moment and encounter that he set up to bring praise and glory to himself was really a divine setup to call everyone to praise the one true God. What is the invitation this morning from the holy spirit be consumed with this god be consumed with this god how do i get consumed you got to consume his word you've got to dig into his word his word is life And his life word has instruction. And the reality is all of us have been born into a broken and a fallen world. All of us. Even if you went to a Christian school or a Christian college. Or you were homeschooled by Christian parents. Can I tell you that your parents were wretches that got saved and they still got areas of brokenness. Jesus is still working on them. My point is all of us have areas in our minds that have not yet fully been renewed. You think that you understand identity, but you don't really understand identity. You think you understand resources and finances, but until this word has worked in you and transformed and renewed your mind, you don't truly understand it. You think you know love. Your wife will tell you different. We learn. You think you understand unity and racism. You haven't even scratched the surface unless you know what this bible says about every tribe tongue and nation and you understand that racism is not a white construct it's not a western construct it actually began in the very breakout of sin in the world that came in from the garden you've got to consume this word we want to be consumed in worship oh god i love the song that we sang this morning Golden streets, I think we're going to sing it here in a moment, but I just keep thinking, for all my heart is yours, forever I am yours. What a declaration of being consumed by God, being reminded of his endless mercy being reminded of his pursuit that he came from heaven into our mess. He came from from complete sustenance and and being worshipped all over and over and over again to come and step in and then be yelled, crucify him to the people he just saved and fed. We want to be consumed and allow our mouths not to be used to curse him but to bless him. My uncle used to joke whenever I was, you know, being an artist and I was kind of emotional at times, you know, I'd fall in love real quick. And he said, John, be careful how many times you tell a girl that you love her because you say it enough, you'll believe it. One of the things I think is so powerful is even at times as you're struggling, you're growing, we want to confess our affection to the Lord because faith comes by hearing. And the more we begin to remind ourselves of his faithfulness, the more we begin to sing and declare of his greatness and his love and his kindness, our hearts become to come ablaze. We become to, to rage with a fire. And now we're not just consuming his word and we're not just being consumed in worship. But now we can't, we have to turn that into action. And, and we begin to get consumed by serving and being about his business and getting plugged in and not serving just based on what makes us feel comfortable, but saying, God, what would you have of me in this season? some of y'all serve faithfully this is not just for the the people that aren't serving on a team yet this is saying if you've been faithful and you serve and and, and you can even just kind of get get in a groove but you kind of get stale and you get in a rut and say holy spirit what are you asking me to do now the other invitation is this today is pentecost sunday and when i think about the scripture but then i think about where we are today i'm reminded that we have a resource that they didn't have because Jesus doing what he said he would do he said when I leave there's one coming there's one coming and in Acts chapter 2 we see the Holy Spirit come and fall upon God's people and when we come into relationship the fire of God begins to burn on the inside of us the spirit and the power of God it's not by power it's not by might but the spirit of God working in us And when I think about this and I think about what would it look like, church, what would it look like, city life, if you, just even you, even though we know there's many great churches, but if just you would be consumed by the fire and the power and the passion of Jesus, how would Houston be different? How would Houston be different if not just the older people, but the young people would be ablaze for the passion of God? I tell you what I think would happen I bet you the atmosphere would change I bet you there'd be a different atmosphere that just like I did when I felt the atmosphere change on Thursday that people will start to come to Houston as they're moving in the droves I think I heard 3,000 a day that are moving to the city of Houston and coming here but they're gonna feel that there's a different atmosphere in Houston there's an atmosphere of peace there's an atmosphere of joy let there be an atmosphere of breakthrough. Let there be an atmosphere of reconciliation, Jesus. Let there be an atmosphere of healing. Let there be an atmosphere of breakthrough anointing, Lord. Let there be an atmosphere of fathers turning to the sons and sons turning to the fathers, Lord. That there be an atmosphere of brilliance and creativity, Lord God. Shed your fire. Fill us with your fire. Fill us. With your fire. Shake us from cultural, comfortable Christianity. And Lord, let our hearts be consumed. Lord, what we consume will consume us. Change our appetites. Change our appetites. Jesus, I pray for this great people. Lord, I pray that you would help us, God. Lord, even as Romans 12:1 reminds us, Lord, that we would present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. Lord, that we would not be conformed to this age, would be transformed by the renewing of our minds, and that you would give us the grace to discern what is good and pleasing in your perfect will. Lord, I pray that you would stir up a fire in the people here at City Life. Lord, that you would begin to search and seek and reveal in your mercy areas that have not yet fully been consumed Lord you don't look to shame or embarrass but you invite us to experience the fullness of your grace and the fullness of your provision and Lord I pray Lord that unlike those that bowed their knee and watched as shadrach meshach and abednego stood but i thank you that it will be said i know the people i know the leadership here lord i thank you that this is a community that they will stand together that they will encourage one another and spur each other on to trust god even when the fire is turned up to trust god even in the midst of adversity to trust god even when a job seems to be in jeopardy for standing for righteousness Lord, to trust God when every demon in hell is trying to rob us of our God-given identity and purpose. Lord, I thank you that there will be a people, that this is a people that will be consumed and that as they are consumed, that they will shine brightly in the city of Houston and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.